0: Here's Brantley, the kick and here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books! The celebration is on! The Washington Nationals are the world champions! The deal according to John Heyman is done. Uh, Garrett Cole is going to the Yankees, 9 years, 324 million. And Amanda. Thank you for your trust in us as we continue to assemble a championship caliber team and welcome to the Angels family. And with that, we're very proud to introduce Anthony Rendon, the newest member of the Los Angeles Angels.
1: Coming this week in Major League
0: Baseball, Mookie Betts will not have to worry about reporting to Fort Myers of Florida. Instead, he's headed to Arizona because he is a member now officially of the
2: Los Angeles Dodgers.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to the s Show. I am Brendan Azoff and with me as always is Stefan Rosner. And this week we will be discussing the MLB restart, the most intriguing opening day matchups, as well as all things going on around the league's summer camps. Later on in the episode, we will have Kyle Evans from Bronx Bombers News on to discuss what is happening at the Yankees training camp. So an interesting week with the MLB finally getting restarted, announcing their schedule. And I know you had a couple of headlines, Stefan, that you wanted to get to to kick things off.
1: Yeah, let's start with one interesting one. Mike Fires of the Oakland A's. He's got a weird, funky spiral beard that no one pays attention to, no one really cares about. But the A's apparently do as they're making masks for COVID-19 that will have his swirly beard on it. And for me, uh, just the marketing team failed on this one because, you know, as a lot of baseball fans realize with the Astros, everything going on, we've had so much time away from that that I completely forgot that the Astros did anything. I'm being reminded of it now. But anytime you mention the name Mike Fires. It just alludes back to the Astros the whole talk with that. So, major flunk for me. Uh, next headline, we go Matt Kemp. Matt Kemp thinks he's an all-star again. He was driven in his career back in 2018. That was his second stint with the Dodgers. He bats 290, 20 on homers, 85 RBIs. This is after a couple of years of so just seemed like age, got the best of him, couldn't field, couldn't hit, all that kind of stuff. He played 20 games last year for Cincinnati. He batted 200. He had four hits in 20 at-bats, one home run, five RBIs, and he's on a one-year $7 million deal with the Miami Marlins who clearly seem to never be able to do anything in this league anymore. And adding a veteran like that should help the young guys, but we've seen in the past, it doesn't work out for Miami. So way to way to waste $7 million. Nothing's going to really happen there. Yep. Yankees Mets battle on 20th anniversary of nine 11 terrorist attack. That will happen next season. That's pretty cool. And hopefully fans can attend that game because you know how they were back, back when it did happen. So you just, hopefully they get the chance to show their support again next year.
0: Yep. So starting with the Yankees and Mets, obviously that's, it's an anniversary that you don't want to have to remember, but at the same time, it's important to remember it. And that Mike to home run right after 9-11 happened, you know, the whole entire city of New York, even though it was the Mets. And as a Yankees fan, you don't like seeing when the Mets have success, but that, was a, that home run gave you chills. And if you didn't get chills, you're not human. So just to see them playing again, you know, the fans are going to be there if they can be. It's going to be loud. It's going to be a great, great atmosphere there. Going back to Matt Kemp now, uh, he was protected a lot. And that Dodgers lineup was deep. He got rest. You know, he, he was able to get some rest because of how deep they are. And when you got Bellinger hitting behind you, Jock Peterson in that lineup, Turner, it's they're stacked. And we know how stacked they are. They're the best team in the West. And so I don't know if he's going to be able to have the same success with the Marlins who are thin in that lineup. And, and he's going to be facing the the most elite pitching that the pitchers can offer because they're going to be picking corners. When you got Bellinger behind you, they're going to go down the middle more often than they're not because they don't want to walk you to give a Bellinger an opportunity. So I don't know if he'll have the same success, but listen, confidence is part of the game. Baseball is very mental. And in regards to Mike fires, uh, his beard is that beard was crazy. I remember getting the ESPN alert saying, look at Mike fires beard today and I don't know what kind of pattern he did. I don't even know. he shaved it. So credit to him for getting it that curly, but to bring it back, I, I guess it's you know, funny trying to lighten up the mood, but like you said, his name is attached to that whole Astros scandal, so I don't know if the MLB is happy with his name being back out in the limelight.
1: Yeah, so let's get to the trivia question of the day. It'll be answered at the end of the show. So today's trivia question, which major league pitcher retired with 5,714 strikeouts in 5,386 innings? So, you know, don't use Google. We, we trust you. We shouldn't probably trust you, but we do. So we'll let you know later, later in the show. So, Brennan, you talked about some intriguing opening day matchups. And let's first start with Yankees, Nats, Scherzer versus Cole. High-powered pitching offense. What more can you expect from an opening day with these two guys going head-to-head?
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And it's the first game of the MLB season. The MLB smart. You know, they know that the Yankees are a big draw. The Nationals play in the nation's capital. So, there's a lot of attention there. It's almost like the nation's restarting, if you will. It's America's pastime. World so Series they winners. Bat, the World Series defending champions as well. Uh, the Scherzer-Cole matchup is phenomenal. And I, I know that it's not going to be as big as it will be later on in the season because with the short camp, both pitchers are probably going to be around 80 to 90 pitches. They're not going to have their full max potential, but these guys are legitimate number one pitchers in the league. And then you got a Yankees offense that has to live up to the reputation they've made for themselves the past two years. And the Nationals offense that was good enough to win a World Series. So overall, that, that first matchup is going to be phenomenal to watch.
1: Yeah, and you see, you know, Anthony Rendon leaves the Nationals, goes to the Angels, but still, this Nationals lineup, and take out Ryan Zerman because he's not playing due to COVID. There's still, this Juan Soto is just a terrifying human being to play against, and, you know, all the hype with them winning, and the Yankees who should be winning, and they don't, I think it's going to be a great matchup.
0: You also have the Cole pitching against the Nationals. Again, remember, Cole was a member of the Astros, lost to them in the World Series, so he talked about how he wants to get that win get that passed out of the way, and now move forward to a World Series championship with the Yankees.
1: Do you know Gary Colt holds a world record? For what? Removing his hat as quick as possible after, after a loss. I think that was the quickest thing we've ever seen. Over the eyes. Yeah. All right, Angels Athletics, another great matchup. Trout, Otani, Rendon versus Chapman, Olson, Semyon. It's a battle of California.
0: Yeah, no, the Angels and Athletics are very interesting teams. The Athletics, two years ago, lost to the Yankees in the wild card game, and people thought they were going to continue that climb. Last year was almost a down year for them. Their bullpen, who was so dominant, became a little more human. And now you have the Angels, who at the same time are they're in the top ten for World Series favorites, betting-wise. They have Rendon, who they added. Otani's fully healthy. They obviously have Mike Trout. This is a, a, a good team, a good lineup at least. Pitching is still going to be a concern. bullpen's still going to be a concern. But they have the ability to score five to six runs a game. So sometimes that will overpower pitching, especially in a shortened season.
1: What we see in the league too is that, you know, there's a lot of demand for good pitching. But if your team get out, just hit everybody. If you have a 3.5 team combined average or team combined ERA or even in the fours, but you're, you're outscoring your opponents by that much, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. If you get a guy to go – starting pitcher to go four and a third or five innings and you have a bullpen the problem with the angels we see year after year is you know they had trout they have they have trout they have pooh holes i mean he's obviously older but he's still a weapon otani could hit the problem was they just never had pitching they couldn't close games out so it's for me just putting them in the top 10 to win the world series even with rendon because again the offense wasn't really the problem it was the, it wasn't even the defense really it was just the pitching closing games out so it's a little iffy for me, but I hope the Angels win because I want to see Trout playing playoff baseball. This guy goes his whole career and doesn't play – I mean, I think he played, a, what, a one wild card game, I think? Um, if, if that. If that. And it's, just a, it's a shame because, you know, we're on the East Coast. We don't stay up – I mean, we will, but we don't – most people don't stay up to watch West Coast battles, and I think that having Trout on prime time crushing baseball is doing what he does best. You just need to see that for the sport especially. Next one, we got Braves at Mets. This is an NL East champs versus the hopeful NL East competitors.
0: This matchup is actually very intriguing because of the fact that the Braves are so talented. Obviously, they have Ronald Acuna. They have Ozzy Albies. Their pitching staff is good. Freddie Freeman's there. But he has COVID, so hopefully he can get back and ready for the season to start. But then you have the Mets, who are secretly stacked offensively now with the, uh, back, the addition, if you will, of Yohannes Cespedes because he's been gone for so long. But that offense is dangerous. They added Dylan Batantis in the bullpen. They have great starting pitchers in Jacob DeGrom, Marcus Stroman, Steven Matz, and they're going to give the Braves a run for their money in the NL East. I don't know if the Washington Nationals will be able to maintain that. They do have the pitching too, but I think that it's going to be between the Braves and the Mets. Last season, the Braves went 97-65. and 65. They finished 11 games up on the Mets who were 86-76. and 76. But both teams this year come in with a lot of expectations riding on them.
1: Brewers-Cubs, this is two of the NL best – You have a healthy Christian Yelich this year. You saw what happened last year, demoralizing. Um, They lost the season. It was a tough way for them to lose out, and I think that the Cubs losing their manager, because now Madden is now with the Angels, and I think that the Cubs now under Ross, who is just a fan favorite, you know, this is a chance for them to rejuvenate themselves and come back to being a contender.
0: Definitely. And you got two of the most exciting players in baseball in this series. You have Javier Baez on the Chicago Cubs, and Christian Yelich on the Milwaukee Brewers, and They're going to be able to draw attention to the game. You know that Yelich is an MVP caliber player every single season. So is Baez. It's just superstar power right there. And like you said, David Ross has to get this team back to where they belong. You know, the Chicago Cubs won the World Series, and they've kind of been downhill ever since. And this roster is way too talented for that. So there's a lot of pressure from Chicago on David Ross, who's a first-year manager. So it might not be fair, but he knew what he was getting into when he took the job. And this rivalry is a great way to kick off the season.
1: I mean, since his last days at catching and then just being around the team, you knew, he is looked at as – think, I, think, I don't think it's going to be a problem for him just for the fact that anytime someone talked about him, it was never my friend Ruff. It was dad. Yeah. He was a team dad. And you know, I think that's a difference when you look at other sports when a manager is so close in the age to the players or just for tires. I mean, look at Islanders and Hockney, Doug Waite. Doug Waite played for the Islanders for the last couple of years of his career and then became a coach. But some of the guys that he was coaching, he had just played with on a line with. Mm -hmm. And that's very hard to separate the teammate to coach. So I think Ross throughout his time was always respected as that high veteran leader. And I think now he's not going to have any problems with people respecting him as like, if he has to come out and take somebody out for slumping, it's not going to be like, oh, just leave me and, you know, you know, let me, let me do my thing. It's like, yes, sir. And I think that's really important for a Cubs team that needs to get back to winning.
0: Well, the respect value is definitely going to be there for him. He's well-respected by the Cubs and all of baseball. But at the same point, you going up to your friends and saying, listen, you're not playing well, you're going to have to be benched today. It's hard on him to do. He played with all these guys. He won a World Series with these guys. So he's got to be able to find it within himself to lay down the law when it needs to be. Because a manager being close with a team is great. Obviously, that camaraderie is phenomenal for a team. You can see teams go far when they have that. But at the same time, a manager has to be able to step in and separate his passion and friendship with the what's best for the team
1: all right so just a quick quick run through I want your opinion Yankees Nats who takes that game
0: well I I think that the Yankees are going to win just because offensively I don't know how sharp shares will be I think that Cole from what I saw in the inter-squad game looks sharp even though he gave up a home run but at the same time the Yankees offense is just I'm going to take
1: them all right Angels Athletics
0: I'm going to go Angels I'm going to buy into the hype for one game
1: one game, one game only. You know, there was <laughs> one bite. <clears throat>
0: Braves-Mets. Mets. They win the first game every single year, and I don't think a shortened season is going to change that. Well,
1: it's like the family episode, and the first pitch, and the season's over. So maybe yep. it'll happen in the second game. <laughs> Wait for the injuries and all that. And then Brewers-Cubs. This one's like a toss-up for me. But, uh...
0: It is. It is. I, I think it's going to come down to which team can get that, you know, fourth or fifth run. I think that pitching-wise, both teams are going to be fine. Rivalry-wise, it's going to be intense. I'm going to take the Cubs because I believe it's in Chicago.
1: All right. Fair enough. Okay. Let's move on to now talking about the New York Yankees. Just in a little bit, we'll be joined by Kyle Evans, as Brendan said at the top. First off, DJ LeMayu, Luis Sessa put on 10 day IL with the, they tested for the coronavirus positively, obviously. And to return to play, they need to test negative twice. If they are out, obviously one of these players is a lot more important than the other, not to, you know, Mess with Louis Sessa. He, he played solid out of the bullpen last year. Mm-hmm. He wasn't great, but he did his job. But DJ Lemayo and I talked about with other people is he's their best hitter. He's not yeah. just their best hitter. He's their best fielder. You can talk about Judge, great fielder, and rightful. That's fine. He hits for contact, on-base percentage. He could play everywhere in the infield. I mean, he hasn't played short, but I guarantee put him in short, he could do his job. And I think that not having him is just a problem. Yes, Tyler Wade has taken strides in his career. Glaber Torres now at short. DJ LeMayo is your top-of-the-order guy, how clutch he was last year. Without him coming through, especially also Gio Schiller, but LeMayo as well, he didn't get hurt, really. I think he missed a couple of games here and there. But this guy was in your lineup every single night producing, I think, multi-hits. It was like every game, three for four, two for four. And, I, and the power, career high in home runs. So I think not having this – this guy should be ready to return, hopefully. Hopefully this doesn't scare him away from not returning. But without him in the lineup, yes, this Yankee team is deep. But he is an integral part of this offense, even with guys like Judge, Stanton, and Sanchez.
0: Well, those three guys you just mentioned is why LeMahieu is so successful in New York, because he's the perfect contrast. you got guys that are big power, big strikeout. Lemehu comes up with runners in scoring position. All he has to do is get his bat head to the ball. He's not worried about putting it 400 feet. His job is to hit the base hits, and, and he knows that. And he's a gold-glove caliber fielder. You said he could play anywhere he probably can. Second base, shortstop, first base, we saw him jump to last year. Third base, even if he needs it. This guy's a legitimate five-tool player, and he went to Colorado. You know, it's a smaller market. People gave his offensive ability to the, you know, the win there and how the fast the ball travels out, but he came to New York and showed his power is legit, and I think it's two negative tests 24 hours apart. That's how they separate it. These guys said that they're feeling better. I, I know that they, Louis Sessa said he's feeling good. LeMay said he's asymptomatic but you got to hope that those two tests come soon because they need to get on the field, get reps or else they're not going to be able to play opening day.
1: All right. So judge and Hicks will be ready for opening day. Boone said, and Garrett Cole made a funny thing is that Hicks probably is the first player in LB history to not miss yep. one regular season game with Tommy John. So that's, that's an interesting fact. And obviously that's something assumed because you miss, you miss a year plus with Tommy John. So good news for Hicks, he will be there. He will go down in history. Yeah, he will be a historical anomaly forever. And, and when
0: people see never miss the game with Tommy John, they'll go, what the hell, why not? And they'll realize, oh, COVID 2020 caused Hicks to be the first player to do that. But this is huge for the Yankees because if the season started on schedule, Stanton probably wouldn't have been playing. Judge probably wouldn't have been playing. Hicks wouldn't have been playing. So it, it, those are three key bats in your lineup. It's definitely something to be worried about. And now they're able to rejuvenate, get healthy, Shouldn't have taken this long, but that's a discussion for another day. But now they have a full lineup for the first time, in all honesty, in a while. I don't think we've ever been able to see the Judge Stanton-Sanchez powerful lineup that we've had. Hopefully, LeMayu comes back to add him to the front. But it's going to be an exciting time to watch the offense. You just hope they get their swings under the belt and that they're ready to go when the season kicks off.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at this team. 103 wins last year. And they did not have the majority of the lineup ever in the, at the same exact time. Same you know, time yep. We talk about the protection, you know. It's all fun and games when you have Judds, Stanton, Sanchez. If that's how they go, the lineup, you know, it depends what they do. Back, back to back to back. That's, that's a nightmare for opposing pitching. But we didn't see that at all. Nobody's healthy at the same time. And the scary thing is they didn't have Gary Cole last nope. year. And they still won 103 games. I, the odds that they go the whole 60 games without getting hurt is zero. It's the Yankees. Someone's going to get hurt long-term probably, knock on wood. But um, just how amazing this team – I mean, even the home run – they're breaking home run records without these guys in the lineup. So it's, yep. so, it's such a – even as not a Yankee fan, everyone hates the Yankees. But this is the Yankees everyone's talking about on paper. Oh, why doesn't this team win the World Series? Why doesn't this team do that? Because it haven't been the Yankees. This has been part of the Yankees, but any team. Look at the, any team in the MLB. They're winning so many games. Yeah, because they have 95 to 98% of their lineup in there. Take out two of of three top. Took out Yelich. Milwaukee pretty much had no shot. Nope. No shot. That's one guy. And they have no shot now. Now you're taking away three of the top players in the Yankees lineup. And yes, they have more depth than the, than the Brewers. But at the same time, there was no reason they should have won 103 games. And if that is the case and the Yankees didn't just get lucky with players because clearly there was no luck last year whatsoever. Look back to Herman getting in trouble at the biggest moment. He needs to be there for the Yankees in the postseason, It's just crazy to see what could be expected they could go. I mean, Brendan, what do you think their records yeah. going to be when this 60 game is all said and done? I mean, realistically thinking about play, let's say yeah. players go down, not that this lineup's going to be there. You think they could go 45 and 15. You think that's, realistic
0: no No, i don't i don't think it's realistic just because of the fact that boone said he's going to make sure everybody gets played i think he wants to rest people they know listen this is a legitimate team that could field two mlb rosters they can field two 25-man rosters and put talent on the field like i think the second team would still be better than the marlins at orioles you know what i mean that's how deep they are and that's not an exaggeration But at the same time, if they're continuing to rest people, which is smart, obviously, you don't want these guys to get hurt like we've seen so far in 60 games. You want everybody to be fully ready for the postseason. So I would say between 37 and 42 wins. That would be my, I think, 37, 23, 42, and 18. Is that math correct? But that would be my estimation. I know that their best stretch in 60 games last year was 42 and 18. So I think that that's the height of – what they can accomplish. But listen, if they're doing that, especially with 10 games against each AL East opponent, postseason battle, and that's well, all that matters.
1: One thing to consider, and I'm not sure how much Boone pays attention. I'm not in his head. But let's say the season starts, the Yankees start off on fire, and they get a commanding lead in the AL East. That re- allows them to relax, because you get a, let's say they get a commanding eight or 10-game lead on... I mean, I look at the AL East, and only team I think that could even compete would be Tampa. Red Sox, I don't think they have a yes. shot. Toronto is young, but I think this situation, the short games, is way too little for these young guys to get there at bats and progress as players. I think they take a step back. And I, the Red Sox, I just, they are, they're a mess. They, they don't look like they're going to be competitive at all. So I think the fact is, down the road, you, know, you see players in other sports when they're coming to play playoffs. The like Spurs a few years ago got in trouble because they rested all their top three players before yep. the playoffs. I think we can see if the Yankees have a commanding lead, they don't have to win 45 games. If they can make the playoffs winning 35 games, Because it doesn't matter. If they can make the top seed winning 35 to 40 games, rest them. So to jump
0: back real quick to what you said about Toronto. Toronto's a sneaky team because they can play spoiler because they have a lot of young talent. But what the Yankees do have as a benefit to them is that the last 23 games of the season, so pretty much the whole month of September, is against Baltimore, Toronto, Boston, and Miami. So those are four teams that they should be able to handle. So, if the Yankees in the last 23 games can go 17 and six, or you know even pushing 20 and three, which I don't think is going to happen, but if they can come somewhere close to that, this team will be hot going into the playoffs, which is very dangerous for everybody else. but they have to play good, they can't play down to the level of their competition.
1: Tanaka took a line drive off of Stanton uh, off the bat of Stanton last week and concussed, but he's. It's crazy how mild, one to two weeks. He's been on the bike. He did 20 minutes, I think a few days afterwards, no symptoms. They're elevating his heart rate, Boone said. I heard on the, the fan today. They're not going to go into anything major. They're taking slow steps, but it seems to be good. Joining us now is Kyle Evans of Bronx Bombers News. Twitter, his Twitter is at NewsBronx. Instagram is Bronx underscore Bombers dot news. Hey, Mr. Evans, how are you doing today?
2: Good, how are you guys?
1: We're doing very good. So doing let's well. keep kick- Let's kick off these questions, shall we? So what do you think about running into pitcher Clark Schmidt after the inter, uh, inter-squad inter performance and his chances at being impactful this season? He retired seven of eight bombers he faced, striking out three in Monday night's inter-squad matchup at Yankee Stadium.
2: Oh, uh, I was very impressed with his performance. I mean, that Yankees lineup is really stacked, and he just cruised right through it. Um, his breaking ball is just unbelievable sharp. Um, I think he has – a really good chance to be impactful in 2020. I don't necessarily know what his role will be, but with the way he's throwing the ball, I think he has a really good shot being on the opening day roster.
0: I completely agree with you. His breaking ball was filthy. There was that one pitch against Torres, completely buckled him. But uh, going on to the next one, the Yankees last season showed their depth, obviously, with the amount of injuries they had. Do you think that they keep players fresh and utilize that depth again this year?
2: Uh, yeah. Um, I know it's uh, you know only a sixty game schedule, but the way the Yankees luck is there always seems to be injuries. Yep. And the good thing about the Yankees is they have a lot of depth. And so like say for an example if a starter goes down or an infielder, they always have that depth and the guy always steps up. So that's what's really key to the Yankees success.
1: So Clint Frazier he's dealing with a little bit of an injury with planter fasciitis. This is what happened to Greg Burton, pretty much led to him. Yeah, his career being in jeopardy, Boone said he should be okay. Is there any latest on what's going on with him?
2: From what Eric Boone's been saying, uh, he's not really too concerned with the injury that Clint Frazier's battling. He's been taking BP. Uh, he was the DH in both intra-squad games. So I feel like if it was that serious, Boone would have held him out of that. So no, I don't think it'll be too much of an issue.
1: And what do you what do you think Clint Frazier's role is going to be this year? I know, you know, his fielding was atrocious last year. He's probably – I mean, I hope he's worked on it. But, you know, the DH position for the Yankees is really more of a – it's going to be Stanton's job unless someone in the field needs a break. And if that's a guy like Judge or Sanchez, they most likely will DH. So what do you think his role will be in? Do you think it's going to be very limited in 60 games?
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't really see him – I don't really expect him to be on uh, – they're very impactful this year because, like, the Yankees have, what, four or five outfielders? And there's just no room for him because, you know, the Yankees are really stacked. And I know they like his bat, but I don't know where you can fit him in. I mean, there's, like they're trying to fit Anduhar in the lineup still, and that's tough.
0: Yeah, 100%. And talking about Anduar, he took cold deep in that uh, first inter-squad matchup meeting between the two of them. And uh, especially taking him up as a field, his power looks good. Do you think he's fully healthy? And what do you think his role will be? Will it be more platoon, or do you think they're going to give him consistent at-bats?
2: Yeah, I think he's fully healthy. I think we could see him at three different positions, uh, left field, third base, and maybe even a little first base. There was some video of him working out at the stadium yesterday at first base. Uh, he did start one game in spring training there. It didn't go – I mean, it was all right, but it didn't go perfect. I think he made one or two errors that day. But I think we'll mostly see him platooning with or Shell at third base. And like I said, maybe even – a few games out in left field. He didn't look too bad in spring training. If I were the Yankees, I would try to do anything they can to get their to get his bat in the lineup because he really can hit and he showed that two years
1: ago. Yeah, I think it was a great sign to see him take Garrett Cole opposite field. Obviously at Yankee Stadium. That's a you want to be hitting the balls there. And I think that Andrew has got to be ready for a Gio Rochella slump. I know we saw Urshella go absolutely off last year and that doesn't mean he's going to do that this year. And I think that obviously Ursella is the one they're going to go with it there, just with the fielding ability. Uh, Andrew Har is a solid fielder, but he's nothing close to what Marcella um, was. So I think that if he's healthy, I mean, yeah, why not use him? You need to get his bat in the lineup. That's what you said. That's the main thing is he needs to hit because that's his – I mean, how many he, – what, he broke a rookie thing with doubles his, his rookie season. So he's definitely one of those guys that needs to hit.
2: Yeah, so uh, if G Urshel, for some reason, you know, stops hitting like he did last – or like last year, he had a really good year. But if for some reason this year he just falls off and stops hitting, I think we'll see Anduar full-time there at third base especially because the season's so short.
1: It seems like Gary Sanchez has really slimmed down this offseason. Looks to be in probably the best shape of his entire career. Do you expect more consistency out of him on defense and on offensive season? And if he struggles, is there a chance the Yankees may move on from that, from him at the catcher position?
2: I mean, I think he'll bounce back. Um, he, like you said, he, he looks really good, like in really good shape. And uh, I mean, he has hit 30 plus home runs and- of the last three years, uh, really what he should be working on is raising the average. I think he hit, what, 232 last year, which is not really good. Struck out quite a bit. Maybe if he limits the strikeouts, he'll raise his average up.
1: Yeah, I think something with him that needs to be considered is that when he first came up, he was hitting for average, and he never did it again. And I think that we have to just expect, this is a guy that if he bats 245, 250, I think we have to take that. But my biggest concern is if he has a bad year again this year, right? how many years are you going to wait for him to show that he is that guy that they saw originally? Because, you know, they have Kyle Higashioka, but is Kyle Higashioka a franchise catcher? I don't think so. And I I really think that if he doesn't improve, there's a good chance that they have to go out there and get an actual catcher.
2: That's a good point. Even if he had like a a slump this season, I still think they'll go with him for the 2021 season. I think they're just going to like roll with him. I don't know. Like, if they would make a trade or who who they would sign because there's not many like offensive catchers like him like he does hit the ball like out of the park and he does like I said, he's hit 30 plus home runs the last two out of three years. His defense, I mean, it's kind of gotten better. like he's been working on it. It's not like as terrible as it was. So I think like he's still a pretty solid catcher.
0: So I don't really know if the Yankees would move on from him. I mean, they could also milk him for as much as he's worth at this point, too, because they have drafted catchers. I think it's what the last three years. So they have people coming up the prospect pipeline. But what do you think the Yankees' record is going to be in 60 games this season? It's kind of hard to predict because it's so short. But if you had to give it a prediction, what would you say?
2: I think they'll win 42 out of the 60 games. Um, I don't think the schedule is really that tough for them. I mean, they got, what, 10 against the Orioles and – what was it? How many against the Marlins? I think maybe... this
0: three. Three? Yeah. Yep.
2: So, I mean, those games right there, there's 13 games against really um, below 500 teams from last year. And I just think that they'll cruise right through the schedule. I think the only issue that they will have is with, uh, like, maybe the Braves, because they're supposed to play the Braves. Maybe, I, guess, you know, I don't really think they have too much trouble. Like, their schedule is pretty... Win- maybe the Nationals... Maybe the Nationals. But other than that, like, I don't think they're going to lose too much. I think they're going to cruise right through the schedule.
1: Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. That is Kyle Evans of Bronx Bomber News. Follow him on Twitter at NewsBronx and on Instagram at Bronx underscore Bombers Thanks, Kyle, for taking the time to talk to us. Really appreciate it.
2: Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on.
1: No problem. See you soon. Awesome conversation with Kyle right there. He definitely has his knowledge, so please go give him a follow. He does. He works around the clock to provide the best Yankee coverage he possibly can. Moving on from one New York team to another, let's talk about the amazing Mets. And we mentioned it earlier in the show, Brendan did. Cespedes is finally healthy after his fight with a boar. Brendan, just how crucial is he to the Mets? And where do you see him playing given the fact that, you know, how nimble is he? And the Universal DH, that makes a really good spot for him to be that guy for them.
0: Well, you just hit that nail on the head right there because Universal DH is where he will be playing. I don't see him. Getting into the outfield right away because they want to try to keep him as healthy as possible for the 60-game season and into the postseason if they get there. His bat is still it's powerful, you know. He's got the those big thighs, those tree chunk thighs that he uses to generate his power, and he could hit. I don't know how his average will be just because he's had about a year and a half to two-year layoff here. But at the same time, his main goal is to provide protection to Pete Alonso, to help young guys and Conforto and Neil and. Uh, Brandon Nemo start to get there. And his veteran bat with Cano, with Wilson Ramos, his veteran bat, this lineup is very deep now that he's there. I, he'll probably play hopefully between 30 and 40 games. I can see them giving him a lot of spells, a lot of days off, because you want him to keep it, keep in shape, not get hurt. But him coming back, is it's huge. And and he just gives them so much more offensive depth.
1: Yeah, general manager Brody Van Wagner sent him the fan last night during an interview that – Cespedes is in the best shape. And I thought he was going to save his career, and I was very excited. But he said he's in the best shape since he got hurt. And while that's, that's great, that's great. But I mean, if he wasn't close, I mean, if, he, <laughs> if, if his ankles were still wobbly where he can't even walk, I mean, yeah, if he, if he could walk now, he's still in the best shape since his injury. But this boards well. And something interesting we saw is we saw Cespedes taking reps at first base and doing the research. This was not by the Mets. The Mets uh, front office did not say take reps at first. It was a joke. Peter Alonso gave him a first base mint and he took reps there. Maybe just maybe they use him there, but they are pretty pretty stacked at first base. given the depth. They have Alonzo, Smith, Melky Cabrera, who they just signed, Matt Adams, lefty power bat. Yeah. But the biggest thing is, yeah, is his bat. I mean, he won he won a uh, home run derby mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And fun fact that no one cares about is my cousin actually caught his tying home run in the final round. At the, that was at City Field. That so cool. that's really cool. But again, no one cares. Just disregard. <laughs> Another injured guy that is not having the same luck. I mean, if you want to call it luck at being out two years. That's what has had is Judd Lowry. And oh my God, what a waste of $11.5 million he's going to make this year. He is still not healthy. He played in only nine games last year for the Mets. Did not record one hit. He is now dealing with a setback. A, uh, he is dealing with a low-grade calf strain. Bodie Van Wagenen said this is minor. But my God, does he have Yankeeitis?
0: I don't know what's in the New York air with these calf strains, but people got to start getting them rubbed down by some icy hot or something. This is absurd. People should not be getting calf strains this often, especially when they're professional athletes. But Jed Lowry, who was so good with Oakland, this guy was hitting like a machine. He was over 300, and nobody knew about him, but everybody did know who he was when he came up to the plate because he would see 346 average or some absurd number. And all of a sudden, it comes to the Mets, can't play. And this is really, it's sad because if they had his bat in the middle of the order too with the, his average, he's like their LeMahieu almost, where he gets on base and sets up the power guys. So they would love to get him back, but nobody knows exactly when that will be.
1: And I think with the Mets having Cano, who's getting old, he might be turning 40 this year. He's definitely at thirty-five he's plus. He's, he's probably 38, 30. 39. We'll check for you right now. But... That moves Jeff McNeil to the outfield with Cano at second. And Judd Lowry's a second baseman. I'm pretty sure he could also play third. 37. 37. Um, They need Cano to stay healthy. We don't know how he's going to bat. He's going to bat lower in the lineup because you can put him there with the depth they have. But if they could have Judd Lowry back and put him at third base, I know J.D. Davis plays third. But, you know, are they too crowded? Yes. But, again, you see you have the DH now. You don't want Cespedes playing 30 30 to 35 games this year. You want to give him a little bit breather? All right, alternate name with Jared Larry. When Jared Larry returns, he's not going to be a staple in the lineup until he gets hot. You're going to have to – you can put him at DH. But, again, Larry is a – he's not a wizard in the field like a LeMayhew, but he, he's a respected f- uh, fielder, and you expect him to get the job done. And I think yeah. the Mets – the Mets' offense does not get enough credit. No one talks about it because just how bad their bullpen is, which we'll get to in a second. That's the storyline of the Mets every year. DeGrom – well, it was the offense. Every time DeGrom pitched, it felt like he never got any run support. But it's a lot of pressure on an offense when you think you're going to get, when you do get a lead and you blow it every time. Not yeah. that the offense doesn't try, because obviously they try, but at the same time, it's very demoralizing to, you 100%. know, have to be that one guy that comes in clutch for that one run. Because, you know, if you get to ground one or two runs, you're winning the game. The problem is, it seems like every time DeGrom pitches, he doesn't get that runs. And if he does get the runs, he comes out of the game after eight innings of just superb play and they blow it. So I think the Mets really, what you mm-hmm. get into now is, how big of a deal is signing Dell Potence? He hurt all of last year, comes back. I had a couple
0: of strikeouts in that outing. He was hopping off the mound. Yes. So I think he struck out the side or something along those lines. He
1: looked good. And no. then he's out for the rest of the year, and the Mets take a chance. I mean, they take a chance. They send him to a one-year deal, $10.5 million contract. But this is a big thing for not just the Mets, because if he comes through in the clutch, Diaz struggles. Potence can easily slot in as that closer. This is big for Batanzas. He spent a lot of time in the minors. He made it to the MLB. He plays absolutely lights out. And now he's got to play for another contract. And if he can stay healthy and provide much needed depth in that bullpen, if he's your setup guy for Diaz and Diaz has a bounce back here, watch out, these Mets are going to win this East. The problem is, what do you expect from Dylan Batanzas this season coming off an injury real one?
0: Yeah, definitely. And you talked about Edwin Diaz and his struggles last year, and that's exactly why they got a guy like Batanzas, But if Diaz didn't blow it, like, if he blew half those saves last year, the Mets are now talking about being in contention for the NL East. So that's just the fine line that their bullpen has to tote this year. But you talk about Batantis and how good he was with the Yankees before the injury. This is a guy, though, that once he got that ninth inning opportunity, did struggle. He doesn't like that immense pressure. He's somebody that will come in at any other point in the game, though, and completely dominate it. And he'll come in with the bases loaded, and he'll strike out the side if you need it. That's how good his stuff is. So I don't know if he's the right guy if you want to have a closing option. But at the same time, he definitely solidifies that back end of the bullpen. If you need somebody to come in and get an out in the seventh and pitch three more outs in the eighth, he's that type of guy. He's your ideal fit because his stuff is so good. And the one thing I will say is he's similar to Syndergaard, who's on the Mets, that when people are on base, they're going to steal on him. His windup's long, his delivery's long, even if he's from the stretch. So that's one thing he does have to work on. He might be working on it now. Nobody knows. But... Coming off an injury, I do fully expect him to bounce back. His stuff's just too nasty.
1: Especially you bring up Syndergaard and he's, yeah, he goes down with Tommy John before this whole COVID thing started. And that just makes the bullpen so much more, so much more pressures on the bullpen now because you're going to put a guy in, uh, in, his, in his spot in the rotation, and you're going to expect maybe four to five innings. But, you know, a pitcher doesn't go that long. That's a lot of outs that the bullpen now has to get. And Batanzas is the guy that can do multiple innings if need be, especially. You know, when he's that elite, you want him out there and you want him getting the confidence, all that kind of stuff. So definitely think Batanza is going to help this team not hurt them. And who knows, maybe by the end of the year, he gets another, he gets an extension with the match because he shows just how good he can be. And especially this Mets team, they have the stars. They got, we'll talk about Alonzo in a second. You got Alonzo, DeGrom, McNeil, Dom Smith, even J.D. Davis is young. Rosario is young. You know, you talk about the baby bombers with the Yankees when they were coming up. You had Judge Torres. This is the baby bombers of the Mets, and it's now their time to shine, given the fact that they now have some great starting pitching. They add their bullpen. They provide a lot of depth on offense. We talked about how scary the lineup's going to be. The big question is, can Pete Alonzo do what he did last year? Can the pull-a-bear crush home runs, play a strong first base with no one expected at all? Can he do it again?
0: Uh, I mean, I think he can, and I think that Cespedes coming back definitely helps him because now people are going to be more selective to Cespedes, and if Cespedes starts hitting the ball like he's shown in the past, they're going to have to start pitching around him more, and then his numbers become better. So I think that Alonso has to just remember that he's got to breathe. He's done it before. He can do it again. He's got the power. He doesn't have to chase. And if he's able to come and start the season strong, I think that's key for all these power hitters is starting that first week of the 60-game season strong because they're all streaky. You know, if they have a bad week, they can take it for 20 to 30 games. The next thing you know, that's half the year this year. So he can't do that. He's got to come out strong. But Alonzo's young. He looked healthy. You know, last season he played a majority of the games. He was a good hitter, swung the bat, played good defense, like you said. If he can avoid the judge path where judge started to get nicked up, missed some time, his consistency levels dropped, his home runs totals dropped because of the amount of games missed, he'll be okay. I think that they're very similar players. And obviously Alonzo, if he stays healthy this year, no one's going to put up 50 home runs if they do. That's an absurd season. But I think he can get to 25-30 if he can.
1: Yeah, and that, again, you talked about it. Having Cespedes just gives him a little less stress. If Cespedes can stay in the lineup and stay healthy and is affected, because if Cespedes is awful and can't hit a beach ball, they're just going to walk Alonzo. You yep. have zero reason to face him because, you know, what, what are you going to do? But if you have Cespedes following him or is in front of him, you can't just afford to... You're going to pitch to Alonzo, and you're going to hope that he does what Judge did and struggles his sophomore year. But I yep. think that Alonzo, we didn't see a lot of strikeouts from Alonzo. He's a very patient hitter, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Despite, you know, we all talk about it's home run or nothing, but Alonzo really wasn't that. He was more than that kind of player, and he has to be more than that kind of player for the Mets to take that next step for the franchise.
0: Yeah, I mean, he hit 260 last year, which it's not bad. You talked about most power hitters are 250 or a little lower because of the strikeout rate. Obviously, Judge is higher with that. He's closer to 280. But Alonzo can get there. I mean, that was his first year and he went off. So uh, I think that he's got all the tools, the makings of it. He also plays a lot less demanding of a position than Judge does, which is key for him staying healthy. Judge is running around right field. He's standing at first base. So if he can continue to stay healthy, his numbers will keep rising. He's very. Both players are extremely talented, and they're both in New York, which is amazing to watch. And we talked about how good the Mets are, like very low-key this season if we could see a potential subway series world series, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, especially with the amount of, you know, depressing times we were living in right now, that would definitely bring up the tri-state area.
1: Definitely. I mean, if that was the case, I'm, I'm already, I'm ready for just baseball to be back sports feedback in general. So I think that, you know, there's a chance that baseball doesn't come back the chance. No sports come back with more players testing positive, more players feel like they're opting out left and right. But, As of right now, there's a plan for baseball. Baseball will be back. We'll see a 60-game season. We'll not see expanded playoffs, and we'll get a World Series champion, which is what this all is about. Before we sign off today, let's go back to our trivia question. The question was, which major league pitcher retired with 5,714 strikeouts in 5,386 innings? And the answer, Hall of Famer Nolan Ryan.
0: See, we talked about the New York teams today, obviously, they're very intriguing the Yankees have all the talent in the world and the Mets are on the rise and going to give the Braves a lot to talk about and they're going to be on their heels the whole entire season I think that the matchups on opening day starting July 23rd July 24th for some teams it, those those will dictate I think how the season pans out and there's a lot to look forward to in such a short time frame so it's going to be very exciting and we'll be doing this every week talking about the MLB and talking about the NHL on a separate show as well so stay with us and We hope to be talking with you guys soon.